1: betting landscape from coast to coast. This is betting across America on v the sports betting network. Football playoff season is here and it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Let's take a pause from the NFL playoffs and talk about a very busy Saturday slate in the college basketball world. Joining me now is Jim Root from the three-man weave. And Jim, let's talk about a game that's going to tip off in minutes. SEC game between Kentucky and Tennessee. The Wildcats, a four-point favorite at
2: home. How do they handle the Vols in this one? Yeah, this is an intriguing one. We, we get severe Wheeler back for Kentucky. He's been out the last couple. They're, they're starting point guard. That's a lot Ty Ty Washington, the freshman to step in. And he's been outstanding as the lead point guard. So I think that gives them that, that dual barreled uh, weapon in the backcourt. But Tennessee's defense has been great. Top five in the country. Pretty much any way you slice it. So maybe that that would lead towards an under bet. But I actually think this one gets up and down a little bit. Kentucky's been running some, and they have those two point guards back that like to push in transition. So, a slight lean towards the over, maybe a slight lean to Kentucky, too. Tennessee has struggled so far in SEC play, uh, but, man, I, I just think this one's going to be a good one. Nothing super strong on the, on that game.
1: Well, I'm not going to bet against Kentucky on a day where their uh, legendary coach, Joe Hall, passes away. So, there's definitely going to be some sort of aura in uh, the cosmic energy. Exactly. Exactly. The cosmic energy in that one. Um, Another top 25 matchup coming up about an hour or so from now, Texas and Iowa state from Ames, Texas actually favored on the road here. Is that line correct?
2: I kind of don't think so. I I have not been sold by the Texas team this year. Uh, Last game, they only got 12 combined minutes from Trey Mitchell and Dylan Dissu. arguably the two best front court players. Uh, Mitchell's supposed to be back for more of a full workload today. He was coming back out of COVID protocol. So I guess it was conditioning last game, but man, Hilton magic, Iowa state, that team has been great at home. They've put up some really strong efforts on the road as well. Uh, nearly one at Kansas th- this past week. Now they're one and three in the big 12. They're starting to feel backs against the wall. I-, I think we get a big Iowa state performance here. It will likely be a rock fight. Basically every game in the big 12, the the, the defense is better than the offense it's facing. So this one will probably be a grind, but I trust Iowa State in that environment. And I just haven't seen it from Texas yet this year. So lean towards the Cyclones. The number one
1: team in the nation, Jim Baylor, coming off their first loss of the season. Heavily favored here against OK State. How do they rebound, though, off of that first loss?
2: Yeah, this this is, I think, uh, this feels like Baylor's game. Uh, their defense has been stout. They really force you to hit jumpers. They can switch, so they're, they're really going to force you to play in isolation and try to attack mismatches. And that's not Oklahoma state strength team. Can't shoot. They're not really going to stretch you out defensively. So they can, the bears can pack the paint and man, the spot sets up great too. You mentioned off the loss. I'm sure the, the Baylor returners remember their loss last year in the big 12 tournament too. So crier and Meyer and and, uh, Flagler, those guys are going to be out for a little bit of revenge here. And this is Oklahoma state's third game in five days. They played three this week. Meanwhile, Baylor had that loss, but had some days to kind of lick their wounds and prepare for this one. They're more well-rested. This feels like Baylor's game to me. The market has definitely bedded up a little bit, so tread lightly on that number. But I think this sets up really well for the Bears.
1: Uh, A couple more games I want to get into before I ask you about some teams specifically. Mississippi State is favored at home against Alabama. Uh,
2: Do we think that the Tide go into Starkville and come away with the victory? And this is kind of a line in the sand game for me with Alabama. They, they've been disappointing the last few, even the win over Tennessee wasn't convincing. They were down most of the game and Tennessee was down two starters and that Auburn performance. They got smacked in the mouth by the, the tigers that are kind of the, the trendy pick right now. But I do think this is where Alabama starts to play a, a better game. Mississippi state hasn't been that sharp defensively taking away the three point line. We know that's the way the tide roll. If they can get good shots up, the offense thrives JD Davison was really good off the bench against Auburn. I think that's a, a big spark for them. They get his athleticism, his playmaking, man, the, the line is short. So you just need a, a victory for the tide here, but I think they are able to get it done. Maybe not in convincing fashion. This one's probably going to be close down to the wire, but I, I like Alabama. It's kind of a, a mini by low here.
1: We talked about uh, Baylor coming off of their first loss, looking for them to bounce back here today. USC came off of their first loss and they bounced back with the victory, but now they welcome in Oregon who's going to be- provide a little bit of a tougher test here. Uh, the Trojans are laying six and a half at home. Do they get the cover?
2: And I'm, I, I can't figure out Oregon. Uh, Oregon early in the season. They were poor. And I was like, you know what? i them off the bandwagon. Cause I loved them preseason. Uh, but then they just went to UCLA, got that big overtime win this does also feel a little buy low sell high, e though, because you know USC's off that loss, Oregon's off an overtime win. The line feels a lot shorter than it would have been just like three days ago. I, I think before those two performances, this this might have been eight or nine. So your numerical edge is probably with the Trojans. And last year in these two matchups, uh, these two faced USC smacked them, just overwhelmed them with size, athleticism. Two different teams. Evan Mobley's not there anymore, but some of those matchup edges I still think probably trend towards the Trojans. Just tough to trust either team. That one, that one's a tough one.
1: Jim Root from three man weave. Joining me, Scott Seidenberg here on betting across America presented by BetMGM here on Vsin. Uh, let me ask you the question that I think is on everybody's minds when it comes to the college basketball landscape here, Jim, just how good is Auburn? Are, are they
2: truly like the best team in the country right now? <laughs> man, they're it's certainly playing like them and Texas tech are like on absolute fire. And honestly, I kind of buy it with Auburn and maybe not as like the best team in the country going forward, but I think they're a true national title contender threat. And, and one of the top two teams in the sec, along with Kentucky, they've got size. They're one of the best interior defenses in the entire country. And Walker Kessler is blocking like three and a half, four shots a game and their backup center blocks over a shot a game They, they you can't get easy buckets inside. They've got a lot of weaponry on the perimeter with the emergence of Wendell green and Katie Johnson, the two transfer guards, and they've got linking pieces with some of their athletic wings. It's really kind of a loaded roster. And the fact that they're hitting shots was my only question coming into the season. So with the perimeter shooting that they have, the size, the interior defense, and, oh, yeah, the possible number one pick in the NBA draft in Jabari Smith, <laughs> uh, it's its hard to take anything away from them. I, I i kind of buy that they're just top five team, potential one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. Plus 1,800 right now to win the national
1: championship up on BetMGM. Hard to find better value than the Auburn Tigers there, at plus at 1,800. But I have been on Duke all season long. Nothing's going to talk me out of betting Duke, Jim. It's the Coach K farewell tour. Um, I know he had to miss the game with an illness the other day, non-COVID related, so that's good. Um, Duke, to me, is just going to continue to rise. I'm not going to bet against this team. They're 13.5-point favorites today against NC State. They'll probably win by double digits.
2: But is Duke really the play here, in your opinion, to win the national title? Um, I don't think to win the national title, but man, they're they're right up in that elite competition. That conversation with Auburn, with Gonzaga, with Baylor, uh, maybe a couple others you could slide in there. I'm a big Arizona fan myself, but one thing that Shire did without Kay, and I, I wonder if he had permission to do this or if it was like a rogue decision, he took Jeremy Roach out of the starting lineup. Their their usual starting point guard. He went bigger, threw in AJ Griffin. And man, they just totally overwhelmed Wake Forest last game. Super impressive coming off the home loss to Miami, Florida. The Blue Devils have found a different gear when they're when they're right and when they're playing AJ Griffin in some of those those lineups. He's been the piece that's unlocked a lot for them. They can go small ball with him and Bankero up front, or they can go big boy bully ball and play those two at the the forwards with Mark Williams at center. So they've started to figure some things out. It's clearly a young team. I think they'll take another lump or two in ACC play just because it's tough to win consistently on the road there, but they're the best team in that league. And I think they will be one of the top five-ish candidates to win the NCAA tournament come March.
1: I know I've asked you this before, and we'll revisit it now uh, after a couple of weeks since the last time I asked you about this. Who's the best team in the Big Ten? Oh, boy. put me
2: on the (laughs) spot, man. (laughs) I guess I'll still ride with Purdue, but you know, their, their best performances have been against inferior competition lately. Like we haven't seen them take on one of the other big boys in the big 10 and play well, like losing at home to Wisconsin was a little bit alarming. So I I think the other team you probably got to put in this conversation is Illinois. They've really figured out how to play around Kofi. No, no Curbelo hasn't really hurt them because Trent Frazier is playing like one of the best point guards in the country. They have so much shooting around him. So it's kind of neck and neck, I can't wait for those two to play because maybe Monday. that'll give us a little bit more information. Yeah. Big Monday going to be terrific. Uh, so that'll probably be the cider. I'll, I'll give my my stubborn stuck to priors answer as Purdue still, but Illinois is ready to take that crown on Monday. What would you project that line to be on Monday? Uh, where's it at? I'm sorry. I don't have that. Uh, no, it's not end. out
1: yet. So I'm just saying if you, Dude. if you were to make it yourself, like if you were to, you know, try and grab right, right. it yourself.
2: I just don't know where the site is. I need to double check that uh, it is at Illinois. Okay. Yeah. I'd probably make it like Illinois minus two ish. Okay. Um, given three and a half or so for home. Um, I, I think Purdue is a slightly better team. So, uh, you know, not fully up to yeah. equal on a neutral court, but man, the, the orange crush are going to be out in full force. We just kind of saw a sleepy performance from Illinois last night against a shorthanded Michigan team. That was a little bit alarming. They did pull away late, but mm-hmm. not as sharp as they could have been. So, Uh, short favorite Illinois at home and big 10 home spots. I tend to lean towards the home team, especially in the short spread. So I, I kind of think Illinois gets it done on Monday.
1: Something about big 10 basketball just gets my juices flowing there, Jim. I appreciate the time as always Uh, enjoy the games today and uh, we'll get excited for big Monday coming up in a couple of days.
2: Yeah, big big one on the on the docket there. Thanks for having me on. There he is.
1: Jim Root from the Three Man Weave. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I guess I love Big Ten basketball so much because it's like football. They play just a physical brand of the sport. It's Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM here on V C Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't
1: even supposed
3: to be my thing. That's my name,
2: bro. <laughs>
1: If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to slash podcasts and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, The Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They are all free and available now at slash podcasts or wherever. You get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. Betting Across America presented by BetMGM here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Feel free to tweet at me at Scott'sOnAir, S C O T T S O N A I R. I wanted to go over a couple of more of the trends that uh, we have up on VSIN.com, an incredible article written by our very own Steve Mackinan. You can also read about it in this week's edition of Point Spread Weekly. I gave you the staggering statistic. From earlier, and that is the last 56 wild card games. The outright winner has covered the spread 48 times. 48-7-1 and one ATS, which is crazy because last year, the Colts and Washington both covered but did not win. So... If you just take those out, <laughs> the numbers are even more intense. We're talking about, you know, 46, uh, excuse me, 40, uh, 48, 5-1, you know, in the last 54 four four games. It's just insane. So if you like an underdog, you're going to bet them to win the game outright as opposed to betting them to cover. Speaking of underdogs, this is very interesting, and it applies today for one of the games – and it applies on Monday for another game. Divisional games in the wild card round. The last 14 wild card games between division opponents, and that's going back to 2003, the last 14 games between divisional opponents, the road team, against the spread. That's wild. The road team in the last 14 divisional wild card matchups is 11-3 ATS. And that would mean the New England Patriots plus the points, and it would mean the Arizona Cardinals on Monday plus the points if you just go by this trend. There's a lot of trends here in, the, in this wild card weekend. But that is one of those strong trends. And road teams in general have done very well. In the last four seasons, road teams are 15-3 and three against the spread. Now, this year feels different. It feels like the favorites are, are much better. The home teams are much better than the road teams. Yes, there are games that could go either way. Like, you know, even the Bengals Raiders can go either way. Cardinals, Rams for certain. Um, and, and, and yes, possibly, and the Cowboys, 49ers. There are games that are close. But it just seems to me like it. this could be a chalky year in the wild card round. Just something that I'm leaning with here that we could have a – Chalky wild card round. How about following the money? How about that trend? Sharp bettors, and we're talking about, you know, where the money lines, the money has moved the lines. In the last 47 wild card games that have moved off of the opening number, the movement side, or the sharp side, 31-16 and straight up, 29-18 and 1 against the spread. And if we look to see where the lines have moved so far here for wild card weekend, if we're trying to pick out the sides here, the line has moved in favor of the Bengals, and the line has moved in favor of the Bills. So if we're following this trend of following the money, that would lead us to Bengals and Bills being the right side. Again, 31-16 and 16 straight up, 28-18-1 ATS in the last 47 wildcard games that have moved off of the opening number. That's pretty, pretty interesting stuff there. So those are just some interesting trends. And I found another one online. It was on Twitter earlier this morning. And I don't want to give credit. I think Kevin Walsh is his name who tweeted it out. That in the past uh, several seasons, underdogs teased up six points in the wild card round 17-1. 17 and 1. So, you've had success in the last 18 wild card games teasing the underdog up. Now, I don't know about the stats about teasing the favorites down, and there are some games that do qualify, and right now with the Bengals moving up to 6, that qualifies as a teaser candidate, pushing them down to a pickem. And if you look at the Patriots Honestly, I don't hate it. Now, there are people out there that are going to tell you that you should never tease anything beyond the standard Wong teaser, which is to get through the key numbers of three and seven. But I'm a proponent of doing whatever it takes to win. Uh, I understand the negative EV. That you get over a long term if you continually do the same amount of bets at the same amount of volume over and over and over and over again. And this idea that was floated around on Twitter earlier this week that sharp bettors don't tease 12 and a half point favorites down to six and a half. Okay. 99% of the audience is not a, is not, is not a professional better, we're recreational bettors. You know, that 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 want to have some fun, want to win some money. And if I'm speaking to you, the recreational better, you want to tease the Chiefs down from 12.5 to 6.5? Guess what? I like it. I like it so much, I played it. And you know what? I don't care what people think. I don't care about paying the extra 20 cents and people thinking that I'm going to lose value long term. Because you know what? I'm not doing it every single week. I'm not betting a 12 half point favorite down to 6.5 every single week. And, yes, I know where the games fall and the, the results of the games. It's okay to be non-traditional. Let me tell you something about this Steelers-Chiefs game. The Kansas City Chiefs' average margin of victory this season is 6.7 points. If I can get them to 6.5, I feel more confident – than having them at 12-and-a-half. Now, me personally, I think they cover this line anyway, the 12-and-a-half. But based on their average margin of victory this season, six and a half seems like the play. Plus, my favorite bet of the entire weekend is the Kansas City Chiefs in the first half. Now, I'll, I'll get into the numbers here about why the Chiefs in the first half is the move but I talked about the possibility earlier of the Chiefs pulling their starters late in this game. That is real. They have to play a big game next week against likely the Buffalo Bills. Throw in the fact that Mahomes got hurt last year and they're not going to put him at risk when the game is at hand. This has the potential to be a three-score lead For the Kansas City Chiefs, with the starters out, only to see the Pittsburgh Steelers give Ben Roethlisberger one last moment in the sun, or under the lights, but one last moment to score one last touchdown and leave the field and leave the stadium with his head held high, knowing that he gave it his best. And that sums up his entire career. And the Steelers lose, yep, but they might lose by 10 or they might lose by 12 and the Chiefs don't cover and they get backdoored because their starters on offense were out and defensively up by 20 points or 19 points or 18 points or 17 points, whatever it is, they, they don't care and Ben Roethlisberger goes out there and scores one final touchdown. That is a real possibility for this game. That is a real possibility. So I don't hate the teaser. And I actually feel more confident in having the Chiefs in the first half because I do think they get out to a big lead. And then we'll see how the game plays out. So don't let anybody shame you for any bet that you want to make that you're confident is going to win. I'm Scott Sidenberg. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM here on v America on BCN, the Sports Betting Network. Beastin has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides vsin plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit slash big deal to sign up today. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's betting across America, presented by BetMGM, here on VSEN, the sports betting network. Now it's time to head out to Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. Welcome in Richard Skinner from Local 12 there in Cincinnati, and Richard, set the scene for us. What's the early atmosphere like there at the stadium? It,
3: it was crazy getting into the parking lot. Usually the ingress and egress for, for this stadium, when I get here, is pretty pretty easy. Raiders are out. Uh, I got caught uh, around the Raiders' buses. They were coming down. There's a pretty good contingent of Raider Nation. They kind of popped out of all the parking lots when the team buses were rolling down with the, the security, and uh, it looked like they were they were pretty wired for it. Um, you know, Temperature-wise, it's in the mid-30s right now. It's cold, but it's it's not you know, brutal cold. It's not what they're going to face in Buffalo tonight. But, yeah, everybody's out and partying early with still three hours to go before
1: kickoff. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, incredible there. And how do the Bengals handle this atmosphere because let, let's be honest here, Richard, you know, this is, this is a little bit of unfamiliar territory for them with the fact that they're heavily favored in this game. The line is now up to six. There's an expectation level on this Bengals team now that hasn't really been there in many years.
3: No, it's been since 2015 since they've been to the playoffs. The, the big number in this town is 31 years, which is the last time the Bengals won a, won a playoff game now. But one thing I will say is the majority of this roster doesn't have the scars of, of the playoff losses of recent vintage. They're too young, um, and they do have guys from other teams that have been through the playoffs. Trey Hendrickson with the Saints, Von Bell with the Saints, Mike Hilton with the uh, with the Steelers, Joe B. with the Cowboys. So they have some guys that have been been through it. Uh, Zach Taylor went through a playoff run and, and a Super Bowl run as an assistant coach with the uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. But it is it is completely uncharted territory, and the fact that there's an expectation of winning. When you have the burden of 31 years, no matter how these players can talk about it, it doesn't affect us. They understand that it's, it's real. It's real for the city. So they're carrying more of the city's burden in this game as much as anything else.
1: How much can you take from the first matchup between these two teams earlier this year when it comes to breaking down this game?
3: Yeah, I think more. you can take more from the Bengals' side than you can from the Raiders' side just because Josh Jacobs was, was banged up and only got eight, I think eight, eight or nine carries. It was a low number and didn't really do much. And he obviously was a big focal point here down the stretch uh, of what they were doing offensively and and had great success. So I I think for the Bengals, I I think they were extremely patient with the Gus Bradley defense. Uh, Joe Burrow that day was 20 of 29, but for only 148 yards. Didn't have a completion over 17 yards. But but I asked him this week, and I asked the offensive coordinator, what did you get from that? And they talked about maturity, being mature enough to just take what the defense gives you. And if it's a day where you have to – just move the sticks and you're not going to hit big plays, and that's what you have to do as a quarterback. And Joe Mixon ran it really effectively, and i got a feeling Josh Bradley doesn't change a whole lot, right? He's going to probably do what he does and line up and say, if you can run good, we'll get the light box. We're not going to give up the big plays. I think the Bengals learned the patience. I think for the, the Raiders, the flip side, like I said, is I think Josh Jacobs was a big key. He was a big key down the stretch in the four-game winning streak. He was unable to get on track in that game because he was banged up, didn't get a ton of touches. I think for the Raiders, I think you see a lot more Josh Jacobs today certainly carrying the football than he did the last
1: time. You you mentioned Joe Mixon, and he he was really the the workhorse in that first matchup with the 30 carries, 123 yards and two scores. Uh, It's my favorite prop bet of this game is Joe Mixon's over-rushing yards, Richard, and I really believe that they're going to give him the rock a lot in this game because last time they played the Raiders, they were coming off of the bye, so he had a little bit of fresh legs, and I think with the fact that they didn't play last week, you know, uh, I mean, the team played, but, you know, Mixon, Burrow, and they didn't play. He's got a little bit of fresh legs coming into this one as well. Yeah, no question. I think that's a great point, and I think that's exactly, you know, one of the reasons they wanted to rest
3: those guys last week. Yeah, there was a chance they could sneak up the board a little bit seed-wise, but it was a remote chance. I think they treated it like kind of their bye week, if you will. And and you're right, Mixon coming off that bye, they turned him 30 times, and a lot of that in the second half, and, and he wore that defense down, and offensive line kind of wore that defense down. Plus, you know, the, the, the fact that you running the football, you're trying to get such good down and distances to keep Max Crosby in and, and away from coming off the edges. They're just so relentless, so good. That you're getting third and nines, third and eights, third and elevens all day. You're, you're not going to live very well. So, yeah, I'm with you. I I'd be stunned if Joe Mixon doesn't get a ton of touches, and if he gets a ton of touches, it means he is going to have a big
1: day. Yeah, I love the over on his rushing prop. Uh, You know, Jamar Chase is the most popular bet right now up on Ben MGM to score a touchdown, uh, actually to score the first touchdown, to score any time touchdown, his over-receiving prop. Everyone in love with Jamar Chase and with good reason, Richard, but can he have the performance that people are expecting here against this Raiders defense? Yeah, I think I'd pass on that just
3: because, again, the way Gus Bradley plays his defense, he just is not going to give up big plays. Now, could Jamar Chase get an eight yard slant for a touchdown? Yeah, maybe. Um, but you get in that territory. That's a lot of times that's T. Higgins' territory. That's Tyler Boyd's territory. I, I think I, I think I wouldn't take that one either way. I think I'm going to pass on, on that one because, just because the, the defense is going to be so focused on him. You know, for a while, teams started to shift their focus to, to him, and then T. Higgins started to go off, and then Kansas City tried to play man to man, and that didn't work so well. I guess Bradley's not going to let that happen today.
1: I I, I think I'm passing on that one. Defensively for Cincy, uh, how do they handle this Raiders uh, passing attack? You know, with now Darren Waller back healthy, and, and he didn't really do much in the game last week, but I think he was getting his legs underneath him. You know how dangerous Hunter Renfro can be. So how do they handle this Raiders air attack? Yeah,
3: I think a lot of the focal point has to go towards Darren Waller. The last time they played, he had seven catches for 116 yards. The Bengals have really struggled covering tight ends this year, and they cut they, they had a bunch of them down the stretch. George Kittle went off for 13 catches and a buck 50. Mark Andrews had well, nine catches for a buck 20. Travis Kelsey only had five catches, but one of those went for a touchdown, and he only had 25 yards. But a lot of it was they 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 had a they had a scheme specifically for Travis Kelsey. I think I think that they more scheme for Darren Waller, and they say listen, Hunter Renfro's a nice receiver, but he's not dynamic. Uh, you know, then it's Zay Jones, who's probably a third or fourth best receiver at that I think you see a lot of focal point go towards Darren Waller and trying to stop him. Now, it's another matter if they can do it or not. They did a pretty good job on Kelsey, like I said. Um, They took Kelsey out of the mix. They took Tyree Kill really out of the mix that day. And Kansas City then was able to run the football, so you can pick your poison. As much as I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a big day, if you put focal points on on those guys and go with a lighter box as well, that maybe Josh Jacobs goes for a buck twenty again. So I, I think passing wise, I do think a lot of the folks has to be on stopping Darren Waller.
1: How aggressive do you expect the uh, play calling to be here in this one? If there are some fourth down situations, will they play conservatively or will they be aggressive here with the pedal to the metal?
3: That is a great question because Zach Taylor's waffled on that got the year. He went for it on the very first uh very first game of the year against Minnesota. They were up twenty one seven. Yeah, fourth and more on his own thirty, went for it, it, backfired, Minnesota scored, came back in the game, the Bengals ended up winning it. But that was a lot of the conversation after the game. And he's kinda of going back and forth on this throughout the year. There's times on fourth and shorts, you're thinking, all oh, right, he's definitely going for this, and he's on it or kicked the field goal. And there's been other times where you think, well you gotta kick this one away and he's gone for it. Uh, I I think it'll it'll be game dictated. I hate to, to, to cop out with that. I, I do think I think if it's seven, they're up in the second half and the defense is playing well and he's on his own thirty, he's not going to do it. But I do think that if you're on that Fringe area, fourth and one from the 39, and you don't want to try a 56-yard field goal at that point, I do think he'll, he'll go for it in those circumstances. Um, he's shown that he will go for it, uh, but I don't think it'll be any right. I, I would say this, it won't be any Brandon Staley crazy. I will, I will go there.
1: <laughs> Richard, the total around 48-and-a-half or so uh, moving you know, either way. D- does this game get to, into the 50s, or is it a low-scoring affair?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it does. I've, most of my scenarios, I, I, I think this game winds up somewhere in the 20s. Um, you know, The Bengals, if you remember the last time, it was 16-13 in the fourth quarter. Raiders turned it. They did, did put together a good drive to make it 23-13. Uh, but then the Raiders uh, committed to turnovers, and the Bengals were able to kind of extend that out. And even through all of that, that game wound up on 45. And I just don't see it going much above that today. I think some of it will be conservative on both teams' parts a little bit early just because of the nature of the beast in the playoffs. Weather probably plays a little bit of a factor in it. And the fact we talked about, I think both of these teams run the ball a lot today. Um, I, I, I I, think the under would be the play for me. I just don't see this game getting to the 50s.
1: And do the Bengals win, and do they cover the 6?
3: I think they do, and that sounds probably homerish. I've, I, I picked 27-17, so I've got Bengals and the under. Uh, you know, I, I I just have to go back to that first meeting. I didn't think the Bengals played great, and still were able to win comfortably. And again, I mentioned they pulled away, do some turnovers. And in Vegas has a lot of things going against it: the fact of going on the road after that Sunday night game, and having to be all out to win that Sunday night game, and, and the travel, and, and the fact that it, it is cold here, and the fact that the Bengals got a chance as you mentioned to rest all their starters. I just think it's the perfect storm for the Bengals to, to win this game comfortably.
1: Richard, I appreciate the time. Enjoy the game later. You bet. Thanks very much. There he is, Richard Skinner, Local 12 in Cincinnati. And, you know, I'm with him. And I talked about it with the situational spot for the Raiders and how they have kind of defied the anti-situational spots this year, right? They've gone against it and they've won in spite of bad situational spots. And yes, it's the playoffs. And yes, you get up. And so there is a different energy expectation for this game. But with the Bengals having players that are well-rested versus the Raiders, whose defense was on the field a lot last week on Sunday night, uh, I just lean towards Cincy in this one. But the question is, can the Raiders keep it close? I'm not so sure they can. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM.
2: Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break
1: vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey,
1: one, not supposed to my
3: my That's (laughs) my (laughs) team! This
1: is Betting Across America on v the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the Pro Football Playoffs. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game. If either team scores a touchdown, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code vsin 200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the playoffs like never before and earn M-Life rewards that you can redeem at any MGM resort. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use bonus code vcin 200 to win $200 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown in a pro football playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager, new customer offer, all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements, rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit, free bets expire 7 days from issuance, please gamble responsibly, gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER, promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Scott Zatenberg back here with you. It's betting across America presented by MGM. Uh, my thanks to uh, Richard Skinner talking about what's going on with the Bengals um, and the Raiders. And the Bengals are a team that I, I, I kind of, oof, I, you know, I think they win this game. I do. I really do. Uh, I can see the Raiders covering. I can see the Raiders winning as well. But I, I just, part of me feels like it's a chalky weekend. Uh, I am in a playoff survivor pool. It's very interesting, the rules. Kind of like a survivor pool in the regular season, it's a playoff survivor. I need to pick two winners this weekend and can't use the teams again. Next weekend, same. I have to pick two winners, then have one team in championship Sunday, one team in the Super Bowl. Uh, if you don't have a team left to pick in the Super Bowl, well, then you're out. You know That's how it works. This weekend, I decided to go with the Bills and the Cowboys. And I was thinking about the Bengals also, but I went with the Bills and the Cowboys. First off, with the Bills against the Patriots, they're the better football team. There's just no other way around it. The Patriots had a nice run this year, and I'm not going to take anything away from them. But Josh Allen is the best player on the field in this game. And the Bills actually outplayed the Patriots both times they played them if not for a Damian Harris 64-yard touchdown run the first time these two teams played, Bills win that game. That's, That's a fact. If you watch that entire game, the Bills did better. Defensively, they were great. It was just that one run. The one Damian Harris touchdown run for 64 yards was the difference in the game. The Bills outplayed the Patriots. And then the next time these two teams played in Foxborough with the division title on the line, the Bills dominated the Patriots. How could you call, how could you have confidence in the Patriots winning here in the playoffs on the road when at home in a game of similar importance? I know it's not a winner go home like the playoffs, but if they win, there we were talking about the Patriots before that Colts game as the potential one seed in the AFC. Okay, so they lose to the Colts. Colts were playing great, all right, but still at home. Against the Bills, they had a chance to lock up the division. And they failed to do so. And they got severely outplayed. Bills win this football game. Now, my other selection, and we haven't gotten into the NFC yet, but I got the Cowboys beating the 49ers. There's a couple of things that really interest me about this Cowboys game. Everybody seems to be on the 49ers. And it's honestly, it's kind of it really, really severe when it comes to the amount of bets, the tickets, all that stuff, with how many people are betting on the San Francisco 49ers. I want to find the exact numbers here on BetMGM because they're really staggering. The amount of, here we go, betting splits here at BetMGM. Uh, Oh, it's been updated now. As it has gone to 40% of the handle and 49% of the bets. Oh, so how about that? So we've had a change, actually. Because according to BetMGM earlier, it was all on the San Francisco 49ers, but I guess there has been now money coming in on the Dallas Cowboys. So that's very interesting to get an update there on the movement on the Cowboys. But they have moved to three. Dallas, Cow- even with earlier in the week, with all the money and all the bets coming in on the 49ers, the Cowboys stayed at three, even went to three and a half. Um, You know, Mike McCarthy has the best record since 2003 of any of these coaches in the playoffs against the spread. Well, maybe not. um, Yeah, he's 11-6-1 against the spread. Mike McCarthy is as a head coach since 2003. Kyle Shanahan's 2-1, small sample size, but 2-1. But McCarthy, 11-6-1 ATS. Here's the thing. The Dallas Cowboys are a dangerous team. And I don't think that they are getting enough respect. Football Outsiders has the Dallas Cowboys as the number one team in the NFL in DVOA. DVOA, if you're not familiar, measures basically the efficiency of every single play that happens over the course of a season. And yes, are the Cowboys helped out by a couple of, you know, monster performances? Uh, yes, like, you know, the win against the Eagles. But they they take those things into consideration. You blow out an Eagles backup team. And, and yes, it's taken into consideration a little bit. But still, the Dallas Cowboys, the number one team in the NFL and DVOA. The Dallas Cowboys also are the highest scoring team in the NFL. They average 31.2 points per game. That's that's just a big number. And with their defense, what they have been able to do this season, whether it's Diggs with the interceptions, whether it's Parsons getting after the quarterback, I just look at this Cowboys team how they stack up against everybody's underdog darling in the San Francisco 49ers. And I just keep coming back to Dallas as the better football team, the more complete football team. And I I understand it. San Francisco, there's some recency bias there. They, you know, last week uh, had a come-from-behind win and, they, you know, fought hard and they played well against the Rams to, to get themselves into the playoffs, but, you know, they, they do well in divisional games. I mean, that's the 49ers. They're, they're, they seem to always play well in those divisional games. But you look at what they've done this year, okay? They've won some good games, and down the stretch – They've won some good games. Something Kyle Shanahan uh, has talked about, about how confident his team is with how they've played down the stretch. Here was Kyle Shanahan.
2: I feel like most of the teams in the playoffs are pretty confident right now, and and we're no different. Um, I think we felt this way. Really, we felt real confident going into that Tennessee game. Um, you could tell how we came out, and we had a real tough loss. And we knew how big the next game would be versus Houston. And I think we played um, real well and got ourselves out of that. And we took that confidence into LA, just like it was a playoff game. We had a feeling the way everything else was going to go, that it was a playoff game. And I feel that just makes us even more battle tested for, um, for right now because um, it feels no different. We've kind of been in this mode for a few weeks now, um, if not half the season, um, and we're used to it. and. The more we do it, the more we get confidence, the better we feel, and the more we're excited, and we just really want to get to the game.
1: When you look at the 49ers and what they've done this season, besides the wins against the Rams, where are their impressive wins? They beat the Lions, they barely beat the Eagles, they beat the Bears, the Jaguars, the Vikings the falcons, the texans beat the bengal's in overtime. Is that it? I mean, let's seriously take out the rams games. Where are they have where have they been impressive? They lost to the packers in a game where nobody wanted to make a field goal. Lose to the seahawks, get swept by the cardinals, lose to the colts, lose to uh, get swept by the seahawks, excuse me. Lose to the titans. I'm just not as impressed as everyone else is with this San Francisco 49ers team, and I'm not di- And I'm not going to disrespect Dak and the Cowboys. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM.
2: Hey, Sarah, I love that
1: spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool.